Okay, where are we holding? Okay, so we're holding by the four psukim. Yeah. We're holding by the four psukim. Um, we talked briefly about it, but grab a Haggadah. So we go back to Arami Ovedavi. Go all the way back. All the way back. Arami Ovedavi, right? About Lavan, that he was going to kill Yaakov, and then he would have done a lot worse. And in the end of the day, Yaakov and his children went down to Mitzrayim. Vayagrasham b'mesei ma'at. We live there. B'mesei ma'at means a few people. Right? We came in 70 people. Sham l'goy gadol atzum varav. So these psukim are loaded with meaning. And that's why the Haggadah brings them to go through each word to show you how each word is significant. Right, and then when we when we do it at the Haggadah, sometimes we read this very quickly. But to understand, he went down to Mitzrayim, compelled by divine decree. Got to understand what that means. Hashem put it into the plan that we should go down to Mitzrayim. Right? It was almost like Yaakov had no choice. There was no food. Got to go down. Got to figure it out. Yosef gets sold down there. He, Hashem's going to make it work. He's going to get you where you need to be when you need to be there. Then he lived there, Vayagarsham, the words he lived there. And so the, the Haggadah Darshins, that tells you that Yaakov Avinu didn't go to uh, hang out in Mitzrayim permanently. Elalagarsham, he just went to, you know, go for a little bit, to be a ger. Shenamar, Vayomer Alparo, and it brings another Pasuk. So all these, all these words... They were only a few people. And we bring the, the proof for it. Like, we know that they came down with 70 people. Okay, so this is telling the story of going down to Mitzrayim, right? This is, which is why I think that everything before, a lot of the stuff before was introductory. It was more get you pumped up for the idea of telling Sipur Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. The hows, the whys, the whens. We went through that. And here is really the opportunity to talk about Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. If you haven't already touched on it, obviously with the kids, maybe a little earlier in the Haggadah, but if you get to this point and you feel like you haven't done it justice, so spend the time here talking about Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. So you're saying like this is the meat and potatoes. This is right here. This is it. This is it. This is the story. We went down to Mitzrayim. The next Pasuk says, Vayareo Sanamitzrim, we became slaves. Vayanunu, they afflicted us. Vayitnu Elena Vodakasha, they put hard work on us. Talk about how hard the work was. Talk about how it must have felt to be a slave in Mitzrayim, right? You gotta get into the feeling. You gotta get them feeling. How would you feel? How would you, people at the Seder, how would you feel if you had no freedom, right? And you had no choice what to do. Your, your entire schedule was dictated by a master who would beat you if you didn't keep to the schedule. And you had, we know these simple midrashim, you had, you had a certain amount of bricks that you had to produce, and if you didn't, you'd get beaten, and if they weren't, they weren't good quality, you'd get beaten. So it was, it was avoda kasha. You know, sometimes you talk about something so much, you get like almost used to it. Talk about how bad it was. Talk about how dark it was for them. Think about being a kid growing up in this. Your parents don't come home because they are out in the fields working and building, right? Your mother's at home watching you and you're growing up in this and you're looking out the window and all you see is every single Jew walks down the street. There's Egyptians beating them up and whipping them and 
punishing them, and you know that your father comes home and he just sits on the couch and just passes out. He can't, he can't be a real, can't be a real father, right? He can't be normal. So you think about, you know, you think about it, and you talk about the avodah kasha, the hard work um, that that they did for us, that we built these cities for them, and they, we did this hard work. Talk about it. Then what? What was the Jews' reaction? Right? So some people, you go through hard times, and your reaction is, what, how do you react to going through hard times? Right? Some people shut down. You know, I've had that feeling before. I can't, I can't dive, and I don't have any relationship. It's too hard. But the Jews teach us, the Jews in Mitzrayim teach us that at the deepest, darkest points, what's their reaction? We cried out. We Jews cried out to Hashem. Hashem listened to us. He saw exactly what we were going through. All of our hard work. And the pressure that we were under. He understood us. He was there waiting for us to cry out to him. Because immediately following, right, Hashem took us out. Hashem took us out with these great wonders. This is the top of the story. This is the best part of the story, right? That Hashem, despite us almost disappearing into Mitzrayim, Hashem took us out with a strong hand and in front of the whole world did these miracles. And that's where you transition to talking about now the miracles that Hashem did during Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Talk about the ten plagues here because that's the next section, right? Right after that, what do we go to? I have a lot of pages here, but right after that, Dam Vaesh Vesimros Ashan, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. Right? What's that referring to? We pour out a little bit of wine by each one of these. These are the punishments that he brought on the Mitzrim, right? I think it's like. Uh, we say it. What is it? What are those columns of smoke? I don't know what, what, what it's talking about. Isaac, you have any idea? Dam Vaish. Simros Ashan. Okay, it's a Pasuk in Yoel that says that the, I did miracles or wonders in the sky and in the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. That's part of what Hashem did. So um, referring to the whole episode of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. So it's referred to as the Simmer Session. It doesn't refer to anything specific. It's just like an overall idea. Like probably. Right? Blood, fire, and columns of smoke. I wonder why what the columns... Why do we pour out wine for this? Why, why do we, like, remove our... So what do we... Why do we pour out wine for each of these things? When we do the... When we do the ten plagues and all these things? Why do we pour out wine? Just to show a little bit of... Uh, we shouldn't feel good about the fact that they... They went... It was a terrible thing that happened to them, even though they were evil people. So evil so people, but it's Hashem's creations, right. and they had to be... Listen, Hashem... How's deals- that showing... Because it's ours, it's our one. It's spilling out from what we own. We're, we're showing, we're showing the humility. Like we we lose something also from from the loss of human life. We we're lose. not happy about that. That human life was sacrificed in that. It didn't have to be that. Why do you take off a piece of the hollow? Then? <laughs> What's 
It's but blood. It's wine. It's, uh, Maybe that's why. Maybe it's like it's the life over here. Dom. It's the yeah. dom and the source of uh, life. Dom. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. And it's the wine. That's a good question. So we, we pour out. We pour out from the wine. Here he says. Maybe it's because we use our cup of wine to represent the cup of divine wrath through which the Almighty dispenses judgment to the nation when the time for retribution arrives. It's used a lot in the Nevi'im to talk about the kos, uh, maybe like we say, kos Yeshuasi, right? Kos Yeshua Sasa. Right, kos Yeshua Sasa. So the kos is always something where like judgment comes from. So either it's a judgment for the good, a judgment for the bad, the kos. Thus, when mention is made of punishment against the nations, we spill some wine to depict the vengeance of God being poured out from the cup of Interesting. wrath. Interesting. Okay, so not that shot. Mm. Different shot, right? right? That yeah. it's like the cup of wrath. Who, who brings that down? He says, Be'er Miriam. Okay. Um, so maybe that's, maybe that's why. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of shot in that book. Yeah. That's one of the like exact opposite. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not the exact. It's different. It's just a different this viewpoint. Is really bad. This is like, and this is like, see how powerful Hashem is. This is, his, this is his cup of wrath, right? I hear that. The Grus says that the removal of the wine from the cup symbolizes the fact that after each plague, the Egyptians lost a little bit of their resistance and strength. So we're actually pointing out that they didn't have a full cup after each one of the plagues, each time took, Hashem took hit them, took a little bit out of them. And you see that in the, in the, in the storyline. Mm-hmm. Because as things progressed, even Paro's henchmen were like, dude, you crazy. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get him out of here, right. Right, right. And then he says that, that the idea, this is his third idea that he brings in this Haggadah. He says that we have to... Uh, you know, you have to show gratitude to Hashem on one hand, but you still have the need to feel compassion for those who perished on the other hand. That's who, we that's have a cup of wine. Before, says that also. Before, no, not the grub. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't have a quote here. Right, so he just says it's also possible. On the other hand, we have a cup of wine before us during the recitation of Agada, but we spill a bit of it out upon mentioning the suffering of the Egyptians to show that we do feel a little bit bad. We'll give up something of our own. Maybe our important wine or a good bottle of wine. You know, giving up something of your own. Okay. So then the Haggadah goes straight into Davar Acher. Another interpretation. Maybe you could say that Hashem did the... the he rescued us. Biyad Chazaka. Biyad Chazaka sounds like there's two things going on. Ubizro and Etuya. And with an outstretched arm is two. Because you have two of those. Ubemora Gadol. And then with great wonders is two. Uba osos shnayim with wonders, two. Uba mosim shnayim. So each one represents two, which means that when it, you count them all up, you have ten. And that is Elu Eser Makos. Maybe that's what the Pasuk is referring to. Those are the ten Makos that Hashem brought on the Mitzrim in Mitzrayim. And these are the ten makos. And now we're about to say the ten makos, and it's a beautiful... I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think now that you're bringing it to, to light, it's, um, from an observing point of view, I, I think it's interesting to note, like, Dovar Yeah. Because is, is there anywhere else in the Adelaide that we say Dovar Right, right. It's only here, like, oh, by the way, yeah. Dovar And then we get to the important part from right, the Dovar exactly. I'm saying, like... <laughs> It's a little bit strange, so there's, there's obviously some, there's a reason behind it that, mm-hmm. that it's brought down that way. Mm-hmm. Dover Acher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the first shot, 
So why can't we just say that? Just say that, and that's it, finish, and continue. What's with the dumb after? Right. The first shot is that each thing here is talking about um, the sword, the revelation of the Shekhinah, the fact that there was a staff or a stick involved, like Moshe's Mata, and then Mosim is the blood, and then the Davar Acher is, maybe it's really this pasuk, this fourth Pasuk that we said, that Hashem came and beat up the Egyptians and took us out of Mitzrayim, Biyad Chazaka, Vizroa Netuya, Bimora Sumosim, maybe that's really referring to the Ten Makos. Okay? Either way, we're going to get to the Ten Makos because we're going to say Ve'eluhain, and these are the Ten Makos. Ultimately, it's the same thing. Yeah. But apparently, the Baal thought it important to let you know, and I'm not really sure why. It's a Dabrasha, yeah. Does he say anything about that? He doesn't say anything about Dabrasha. Does he say the Ten Makos in one breath? Like you do in front of him? Okay, so what's going on over here? Dam, so we have the Elo Asar Makos, Shevia Kadosh Baruch Ha'al Mitzvah B'Mitzrayim Ve'Elohim, Dam, Sephardeya, Kinim Arov, Dever, Shechin, Barad Arbe, Choshek, Machas, Bechoros. And this is also very interesting, right? How do you understand the Tzachadash Yerachah? Ah, so we get, very good. We got two more what? Oh, you had a Nomadic Israel. They had an Nomadic like Minion today, but they couldn't even get a Minion. Tzach? The Excellent. To, to so, what do you need the abbreviation for? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Know. I think that was on Moshe's. I don't. I don't understand. What yeah, you're no, no. Yeah, like, these letters. I was that for These letters. Yeah. Was yeah. on Moshe's staff. Yeah. Cool. Why? Whoa, Moshe. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> that's cool. Like that's the power that the that his his mata had. That's cool. I saw one Haggadah. He said. It's different categories. He said there are different. When you look at them like this, you notice nuances. Right. So, so what, what are some of those? Nuances? One of the things that was pointed out was that um, they were able to the Mitzrayim were able to do the tzach. Okay, and then a dash b'chavna. A dash b'chavna. Okay, so that's and it's, and it's a level up. So, so they're they're getting worse. Far it is uh, already. Okay. Not, not according to the Rambam. Why? He says what whatever they were able to do. Yeah. Because he didn't believe in that stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, uh, it's mirrors. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's actual magic. magic. Like you see, like you're going to magic right. jump. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't actually do it. They couldn't really do it. Do it okay. They, it made it appear that they could. What about this one? Dom. Yeah. Sorry. If you're a person, right? So the dom is not actually affecting your body. Obviously, if you drink it, it's, you're drinking blood. But it's, the, the plague is over there. Okay? Svardea. Is a little bit closer because it can jump on you, right? Kinim, what kinim is on you, right? Okay, so they go through the first three plagues and they see that they're getting closer and closer until they're actually attacking their body. Yeah. Yeah. Then what? What does Hashem do? So they're freaking out. Then what does Hashem do? Dantzia kinim arov, out in the field. Did. Out in the in the in the in the right. What is it? The dead animals, right? Right. So that's not that's still no, wild. Animals. Wild animals. It's not on oh, you. Wild, right. wild animals. Not on you. It's out there. Yeah. It's not. It's 
But after you, they could. Then Dever, a little bit closer to home, and then Shchin on your body. Okay, so what happens after you get through the first three and it's on your body, and then the fourth one is back removed from your body? So psychologically, you're like, okay, okay. we're gonna be okay. It's worse getting easier. The worst is past. It's getting easier, right? Shchin back on your body. Now your mind is playing games with you, right? Barad outside, right? Arbe again, locust, something that can affect you, but still not your body. Choshech, now you're stuck. You can't move, but it's not in your body. Then, makas pacharos, it's your body. So when, when you group them like this, right. you notice patterns that increase the amount of the miracle that Hashem did. Yeah. Choshech? It's, it's around, yeah. And then, and then makas pacharos is your body. No, it's not. It's thing. You can make your own thing, but he puts it in. it has to be its own thing. Okay. That's why it's going to be Ba'acha. I'll try to run some Ba'acha because Hugs Bechor's affected who? The, 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 Every single family. But it only affected the one. Yeah. But, okay, you no, could still see the severity of it. No, it's not true. It affected the father more than anyone. Yeah. But it affected the one. It only affected one. You're saying that the Hugs were probably coming out of Arov, Dever, Shkin, Bar, Arba, Choshek, and then like Hugs Bechor's like, Phew, I'm the second oldest. That's true. Yeah, just imagine. But the Torah points out, aim bias, asher aim bomes, right? Yeah. So every single, the, the Torah looks at it differently and says, yeah, the other ones were bad, but this one, there's not one house in the whole Mitzrayim that didn't have a dead body in it. That's pretty crazy. A national day of mourning, what they would do if they would have survived, right? Every single house on the same day And the lost truth of something. the matter is, we have the initial edition, we're going to see the has a nice part. Yeah. It says that every three sets started off and everything's grouped in threes in Judaism. Okay. Yeah, so I can say that here. But so is this the Tzach, Hadash, and Ba'ach, except for the last one, which is its own unique thing, which is okay. all encompassed probably of everything, like you're saying. Okay. And the first one came with a warning. Yeah. The second one in the morning. The second one came with a warning, doesn't say when. The third one came without warning. Just came. Just came. And every time it's another group. Next time, they knew what was happening. The next one came with a warning. The next time, in the morning, the next one came with a warning. Didn't say when. Then again, without warning. So it plays in nicely with. Uh if, if the point of what we're doing here, because remember, immediately after this, what do we do? We, we start like making like crazy amounts of numbers of makos that, that the mitzvah had to go through, right? We're going to get like crazy numbers. I think that Tzach Adash Ba'achav is the gateway to that. Because what he's saying is group them like this and you'll notice within the makos that you're all familiar with. You all went to school. We all know the makos. No one will ever forget them, right? But... But when you group them, you start noticing nuances inside of the miracles. Like what I pointed out, that they were closer, 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 and then they would start again far away, closer, 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 until they got to your body, right? And that, that's part of the psychological warfare that Hashem was doing, playing games with the Mitzrayim, right? The warnings also. You get a warning, you get a warning, then all of a sudden something happens. So you're freaking out. You don't know. You can't, you have no, you can't walk around freely. You're, you're, you're totally freaked out, right? Then you get a warning. Okay, you know what? We, at least we know when it's coming. At least, you know, at least we have a little bit of time to prepare. Yeah, at least a little bit of time to prepare. But maybe that's, maybe that's, that's part of the idea. That Sachadash Bachav gives you new insights when you group them like these. 
Um, there's many different. Uh, there's many different insights, but okay. those are those are possibly. Uh, why is why does makas bechara? So Ari was saying it's it's obviously it's like the it's like the the final one, but why is it? In the, right. in, the, in the abbreviation, they don't have, they have a base. Just the base, Bechoros. Right, right. Now I explain why, why is it referred to as Bechoros. Right. That's the only one called Makos Bechoros. Why is it Makos that, Bechoros? You could say maybe Abshur, that it's, it's final. That's it. You could say that. So it's like, it's like almost like it encompasses all right, of them. It's exactly. like the pinnacle, it's, it's the peak. It is the end because it's the final, right. and it is the end of life. Right. We, we killed you, right. you're not coming back right. from that, that's the end of it. Maybe the other ones also, it's apparent, yeah, it's apparent in the other ones that they are plagues. When you say dam, you're like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> Spardea, not good. Firstborns, you're like, mm, what does that mean? I have a firstborn. <laughs> not, a, not a maka. Like, it, it's, speci- it's specifying that something no, terrible happened. Sure. It doesn't signify terrible. Choshek as a punishment signifies something terrible. Bechoros is like, it's such a benign as a word. Punishment? Locus or no, thing. You wouldn't even understand it. To me, Dom is bad. Kenan is bad. Barad is bad. You say Dom, blood? I have blood. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you can answer each one. Okay, I hear. I hear. Oh, why are all the plagues called by a single word? Well, yeah, the last plague. The simplest explanation for this, offered by Malbim and others, uh, is that with each of the first nine plagues, the kind of destruction wrought by the plague is made quite clear with a one-word description. I must have seen it last night. If the last plague were just called firstborn, however, it would not be descriptive of any kind of dis- disaster or destruction at all. Okay, that's the Malbim. Baruch Shamer suggests another reason, however. He cites the Medrash, which describes how the firstborn stood up in revolt when they learned the anticipated nature of the tenth plague. They demanded of Paro that the Jews be let go immediately so that they might be spared. And when they, and when they met with resistance, they killed many of their countrymen. It is possible that this is what the Haggadah is referring to when it speaks of the plague of the firstborn. It means firstborn the maka that the firstborns did on the other Egyptians. They were begging power to let him go. I never heard that medrash. You ever heard that medrash? Maybe, no, but maybe that's what it means. That, uh, in the name by she, Yeah. Meaning even if there was no firstborn. <laughs> the alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would actually make that sense. That's good. There is. Firstborns of everyone, like, well, I would... Kill my family for not letting go. The Mongols don't have any first ones. They have no kids. Right. You're dead. So it's the Makas, but it was like the War of the Bechoros, maybe. It's an interesting Medrash. I never heard that Medrash. (laughs) It's incredible. No? You could be uh, be 35 years old doing this uh, a lot, a lot of times, and you never heard that. I never heard that Medrash. That's awesome. Okay. So, Datzach Hadash Bachav, which leads us into Rabbi Yosia Galili. Um, we refill the cups of wine. Um, we don't pour it from the plate that where the hopefully we caught some of the uh, pourings. Um, but Rabbi Yosef, by the way, do you what does your family do? You do you pour or you do with a finger? Really want to know? Yeah. For thirty three years, we did it different every year. Yeah. We're running out of toes and fingers. <laughs> I pour. 
Because of, because of Pogum. Go the finger. Yeah. But it's not Pogum. Because of Pogum? Yeah, that's why people don't put their fingers in. Oh, don't put their fingers in. Yeah, because of Pogum. So the Makar for putting uh, your finger in, I think, is, is Bizroa, uh, Big, uh, Yaros uh, Hazaka's Roa Mitu. Yeah, Yaros Hazaka's Roa Mitu. Yeah, Yaros yeah. Yeah, that's well okay. But isn't only if you drink from the wine? I know even if you, only if you drink makes a pug. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You, you can cancel pug. Yeah, but, you wait, wait, you wait. yeah right. but even the finger, wait, which finger? So which finger, pinky, right? Pinky. Pinky's the wrong one. For sure the pinky's wrong. Pinky's the cleanest one. That's for sure. Why is pinky wrong? Because... Even by, uh, by... You do, you know, you do just... No, I know you're not supposed to. You should you use your index finger. I think it's the index, yeah. You should that to use your index or your middle so finger. I do my family. So therefore, only the Italians use their pinky. <laughs> um... What do you do with the port out That's it, it's done, it's garbage. <laughs> what do you do with the port out It's garbage. My grandmother used to give it to uh, the two ladies. Really? <laughs> Gather it all up? She didn't come back. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Mama just took the garden of bread. <laughs> <laughs> that might be why you have to refill it, though, because it's fucking... Okay, so Rabbi Yossi Aglili says... Why? Because it cancels. When you refill it, when you put more wine... Yeah. When you get rid of the pug. I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. Um... Uh, okay, Rabbi Yosef Glili Omer, Minayin Ata Omer Shaloko Amitzrim B'Mitzrayim Eser Makos, Al Yam Loko Chamishim Makos, that in Mitzrayim they got 10, but on the Yam they got 50. How do you know? B'Mitzrayim, Mahu Omer, what does it say by Mitzrayim? That the Chartumim said to Paro, Etzba Elokimhu, that what's doing the 10 plagues? The finger of God, right? So Rabbi Yosef Glili makes a drasha. What does it say by the sea, by the splitting of the sea? So if one finger could do 10 plagues, a whole hand, five fingers could do 50 plagues. Right? By the way, that's the one mention of Moshe right there. Boop. He got mentioned once. Moshe got mentioned once. That's the only time right there. It's back door. It's not the focus. It's literally got snuck in there because we had to quote the beginning of the Pasuk, right? So, how many do you get hit by a finger? Eser Makos. That's what the, that's what the magicians of Paro said. These, these Makos are the finger of God. So if Hashem hits you with his whole hand, that's 50. Right? He makes a simple math calculation, right? Oh, and then, well, why should we mention Moshe? Why should we mention Moshe? Yeah, like, I don't understand that question. He was pretty important in the, in the story. <laughs> okay, you don't, have to, you don't have to agree with the question. He was just pretty important in the story. I figured you'd get, like, honorable mention. <laughs> he just did. He gets no nod. It is not. This is total, total agav because we quoted the beginning of the Pasuk that says... <laughs> so instead of stopping the Pasuk in the middle, we go all the way till the end. <laughs> so Rabbi drasha is that there was 50 makos by the Yam. Rabbi Eliezer says, how do you know that each maka that Hashem brought on Mitzrayim was really four separate makos? And he brings a Pasuk, because the Pasuk says, Yeshalach bam charon apo, I am going to put on him his fierce anger. And he uses four words to describe his anger. Evra, Vizoam, Vitsara, Mishlachas, Malach, So Evra is Achas. He uses four words. Wrath, 
fury, trouble, and a band of emissaries of evil. So each one of those, Evra is one, Vizam is two, Vitzara is three, Mishlachas Malachi Roim is four, and Romeata, Vimitzrayim Lokar Boim, Makos. That really, they got ten, but each one was four. And if they're four, they got five times, or they got two hundred by the Yam. Rabbi Kiva says, They weren't four, they were five. Because the Pasuk, a different Pasuk says, this is in Tehillim, It says he sent his anger. Evra, the Zom, the same Pasuk, the Tzara, Mishlachas, Malach, No, 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 it's the same as before. It's just same Pasuk, I, he just no, split no, it up no, differently. No, 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 he didn't split anything differently. Do you include the Charon Apo Correct. part of it or not? Correct. Charon Apo is, counts as one. And then Evra is the second, Zom three. So you end up with five words that's used in the Pasuk. That means that each one was five. And Winkler said it's really 300. Because Yishalach Bam is also on the Pasuk. And just descending it is already Nachamakim. Okay. Because what's the biggest fear? Yeah, it's the biggest fear. fear. The unknown. And the Yishalach. You ever went, you ever got in trouble in your life? The biggest fear of getting pulled over is the time it takes you to get <laughs> car to reach you. Once he's talking to you, you already made like 70 stories in your head, and you're not even getting the ticket or not. The biggest fear is what's he pulling me over for? That or what he's going to say. Or how big of a ticket. Or how big, or whatever it is. Once he's there, that's a mafia. So I see Winkler says. Yishalach, okay. So what's well, the well, point? You don't like it? I like it. What's the point of magnifying the amount of makos? What do we gain? Are they just playing word games? <laughs> we need to really figure out why we don't say Allah. And if it's only ten, we're like okay, we can still say Allah. Three hundred, we can stop feeling bad and not say Allah. Oh, why we don't say full Allah? <laughs> yeah. Why we have to feel bad? Okay. So, but he's magnifying the numbers. So, what's the significance? Yeah? Well, you mean what, what's the Sam, point of explaining how many markers there really were? Are they just well, playing games? Ten, it was 10, it was 100, it was 250, million, it was 2 million. million. What kind of game is this? Okay, great. Uh, just, I have a good one. Meaning, meaning, if the point of this is, thank you, Hashem, for doing these makos, if that's the point, right? You have like a trademark. Like every time you say it, you have to be like, look straight at the camera. Right? Um, <laughs> Oh, oh. Happy. So, they got really? He would start promoting it. How? On like people's statuses. Like, he like paid for stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know how to do that. 10 second poster stakes and identification. Sorry. The point of all of this is to get to a point where we're about to say thank you, Hashem, right? Right? That's the point. So, can't we say thank you on 10? Like, Talk about the 10 and focus on the 10. Why do you need to make it into 50 or 200 or 250? Bizarre calculation. What are, you, what are you gaining? Right? What are you gaining? So the Gra, this famous Gra, the Pasuk in Shemos says that anything, any of the illnesses that I put on the Mitzrim, they won't happen to the Jews. So the more things we can show in the Psukim happen to the Mitzrim, we can be more confident that those things will never happen to us. Right? The more catastrophes we are guaranteed not to suffer ourselves. Okay? So, so that's baseline explanation. The more things we could say happen to them, the more things we could say will not happen to us because the Pasuk promises us the things I did to the Mitzrim, I'll never do to you.
Okay. That's more like a, almost a Kabbalistic understanding. That's, you know, that, yeah. based on the Pasuk, right? There's another idea I saw. It's interesting. And this maybe helps also to understand that Tzach Hadash Bacha, but yeah. only once you get to this point in the Haggadah. If you add them all up, I think they said, in the, they said over here in the commentary that it adds up to 613. Add, add up the, the words, Dam, V'esh, V'simro, and then 10 Makos, and then Datzach Hadash Bachav, each has one. Yeah, it is. And it then does. it does make sense? Yeah, 250. 250? Plus 200. You want to work backwards? Easy. Two, 250. He's a math guy. 200 is 450. 450 and 13 is 463. Yeah. And somewhere else you have another one. I'm not understanding what you're talking about. 613. Hold on, hold on. The Gamachia? No. no. If you add all these numbers. Add all these numbers. Actual numbers. Like, he said there's 10 plagues. Okay, so that counts for 10. And then he said that counts as three, because he just 30. put it into three. He said there's 50, that's 63. He said there's 200, it's 263. Let's see how we get to it. He says there's 250. Four, five, 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 it's like an owl if you're up by one, so it's like one. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, uh, one second, let's see. It's not Gamachius, though, it's numbers. I saw it, I saw it last night, I thought it was Well, that's not bad. If we're off by 100, then we're missing something. So that's good. Not missing. No, it was just 100 shot. Oh, there it was. Okay. There are 10 makos, 3 simanim, 60 makos according to Yosef Aglili, 240 according to Elazar, and 300 according to Rikiva. Is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, very, what very, did very, I miss? Very, a 50 and a 50? Out. No, the 250 is what happened all like young, but it's plus the 50 that happened. <laughs> okay, good. So we missed. So in both of the 250 and the... The 250, 250 and 50 and the, two four, and the 200 had 40. So it's 40. 90. Okay. And the original 10 yeah. had 10 plus 10. Yeah. Meaning even, even money. Even money. Yes? So it's 613. So it does add 613. You understand why? You saw that? Because when he said, when he says, the, when he, no, when he says the number 250, he means 250 on, he said, yeah, he's saying 250 plus 50 for him. 300. He said 50. And then the, what, the previous one said, said it was 200 on the yam, but he had 40 from there. So, um, so that's why we were off by 100. Then, we were, then 50. 50, 40, and then the 50 gets 10. And then the 50 adds his 10 from the Makos, Makos. the original Makos. 60. So that's, so you have 300, 240, and 60. And then you have 600, 10, and 3. The 10 Makos, the original 10, and then the 3 Simanim of Rav Yehuda. So first of all, that helps. So what is, what? 3 Simanim of Makos. No, no, no. He's saying, he's saying there was three groups of Makos. There's three numbers here. There's Datsach, there's Adash, and there's Bacha. And according to him, v. And according to you, bacha. So, um, so what is the point of six hundred thirteen? Who cares? Okay, 
Okay, so add them all up, and it's, whoa, it's wow, the same as wow. the... What, what in the world does the mitzvahs have to do with the makos? So the Chidush Arim says, yeah, through the ten makos, Hashem took the ten ma'amaros, the utterances which brought the world into existence. He says a statement. He, through the ten makos, he took the ten things that he used to create the world, and he turned those ten into what comes out the other end of the Makos, the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, for sure. So you have the ten utterances, the ten Ma'amaros that Hashem used to create the world. He puts them into ten Makos, sort of the reverse order, build them back up. And then what is it comes out of it? The ten commandments. The Orgadal Yahu quotes a Zohar that says that the Makos were... Bad for the Egyptians, but they were medicinal for the Jews. Each maka provided healing for the sickly spiritual condition of the Jewish people. Okay, so let's understand this a little deeper. The world was created through ten of Hashem's statements. Why couldn't he just do it in the blink of an eye? Why does he need ten statements? Hashem could just go like that, make the world. So the Mishnah in Avos says that he wanted to give tenfold reward to those who preserve the word, the world through his mitzvos, and to collect tenfold retribution from those who do not. So if he just does a snap, then if you keep the world going, you're just keeping a snap going. But if he splits it up into like ten statements, now you're keeping the ten. Okay, good question. But he did it more than just one, he made it ten, so that there's tenfold reward. This puzzling Mishnah can be explained as follows. When Hashem created the world with each utterance, a little bit Kabbalistic here. He cloaked himself with a covering. And in essence, he hid himself for the perception by man. By the time he was finished, he was cloaked in ten coverings. So we were able to look at the world. And if we choose, we could conceivably not see him at all. He had hidden himself inside of his world. Right? That was, so, which means, how he's explaining it. This is like, a, sounds like a Tanya, right? The is. Ta- Hashem is is through using 10 methods to create the world, he's really hiding himself deeper and deeper and deeper in the world. He points out that the world, the word that we use for world in Hebrew is olam, and it's the same word, olam, is like ne'elam, is like hidden. So the world itself is a hiding of Hashem. You can look at the world and be like, that's how it works. There's no Hashem. It just works. That's called nature, right? That's the olam. That's the world. Okay? Yeah. So, so, okay, so Hashem starts here, and he's getting hidden and hidden and hidden with ten coverings. Those are the ten words that Hashem uses to create the world. Now, through each of the ten makos, Hashem revealed himself more and more. With each maka, one of his covering was removed. And with each awe-inspiring display of total control of the forces of nature, it became more and more difficult for anybody to possibly say, there ain't no God in the world. What do you mean? You see some, a being that is toying with nature. Water is water, and he is able to go like that, and it's blood. Right? So there is something, there's a power, there's a force here that's now becoming more and more revealed in the world. Okay? So the mamaros were cloaks and clothing around Hashem. And now the makos are sort of peeling away the layers. Which means the first covering that he removed, as an example, right? 
corresponds to the tent covering he had put on when he created the world, the, the last layer. With each further maka, he reveals more and more of himself. The ninth maka, the plague of darkness, corresponds beautifully to the second thing that Hashem says. The second one of the ma'amaros was yihi or, let there be light. So Hashem brings light into the world, and you say, there ain't no God, there's just light. Well, guess what Hashem does on the ninth the ninth layer that he has to peel away to reveal himself, he shows that he's in control of the light. He brings darkness. Interesting, right? Finally, removal of the tenth covering resulted in the revelation of Hashem's existence and creation of the world. So, um, obviously, once you get to the tenth, that will be pure revelation. You will know clearly that there's a God running the world, Right? The 10th Maka, Makas Bechoros, the killing of the firstborn, could not be performed by a Malach, nor by a Saraf. It had to be Anihu Velo Achar. It had to be Hashem himself. There was no messenger for Makas Bechoros. Hashem himself going through, killing the Bechar, the right? This is very interesting because I thought what you were actually going is a totally different Okay. Thing. You were going to say, because the, the, the final is he reveals himself. Yeah. Which is the Shechemah. Right. And we all know you can't look at the Shechem and live. Oh, so you <laughs> die. Okay. But he's saying that's why it's it had to be right. Hashem himself because this is the ultimate reveal. reveal. Right? I'm here and you could see me and this is who I am and I'm in control. So now, after all the Makos, he was able to move forward to the ultimate revelation. Hashem is clear in the world. And now he starts building us up a whole new world. And which, he starts with... Which is very interesting, by the way, because... It, with that understanding, right? So here, here at Kodesh Baruch Hu, with all the Makas, right? He revealed himself in, his, in all of his glory, but yet even afterwards, yeah. like, and almost right. immediately, right? right? They're going, they're, they're, they're out of his and they're afraid that the, what, what's there to be afraid of? I shouldn't you just see it clearly, him. he controls the world. Right. So, I mean, you, you could say that, I guess, because listen, they, they lived their entire lives as slaves, so they still have the mentality. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they, mm-hmm. they didn't see the Mimson, but it, but it is a little that's, strange. And that's what he's saying, is that then the flip, after the full revealing of Hashem's control of the world, yeah. now there's a flip that takes place, and Hashem now begins to rebuild the world. The first step you do when you have such clarity is declare to those who need to follow you, Anochi Hashem Elokecha. Right. right, it's the clarity. So, I am Hashem. So let us restate once yeah, again. That's the case, and it's the exact flip side. It's it, it'll build it backwards the other way. Yeah, the exact flip side. Okay, yeah, and now you only, have to understand what the it only, is. The only Marcus that you actually were involved with, yeah, is Anoch Hashem. Okay. The only is Hashem. Yeah, and a part of the which is probably three days of Cheshet. Okay, come on. Three days of Cheshet. Very nice. Let us when you stop, when everybody had to revive everybody and almost do Tchis Mason. Right. That, that was That's the, full the, revelation. Right, but that was, that was also, I mean, depending on, I don't remember who brings it down, but it's, it's brought that, that, that was their problem. In other words, okay. they could have really heard everything. So listen, so listen oh, again. So he says, he, he didn't want to. We're still going to tie it in 613. But maybe if the Makos would have been given by God himself all 10, then he could have withstood it. Maybe, perhaps. So let's restate again once, once again the brilliant insight of the Chidush Yarim. Yeah. Through the 10 Makos, Hashem took the 10 Ma'amaros, the 10 words that he used to, dis- to create the world, 
And he transformed them on the flip side into the Aseris Hadibros. With, with this, we can explain our initial question and the incredible coincidence of the 613 Makos and the 613 Mitzvos. There are forces of wickedness in the world that try to prevent us from achieving our purpose and fulfilling the 613 Mitzvos. However, there is the inspiring notion that Hashem has, Hashem has a Maka prepared for those who try to stop us. Not only does he protect us from these forces, but by doing so, each maka that he does not only protects us, but he reveals more and more of himself and gives us the clarity we need to move forward with the task at hand. The makos healed us and ultimately prepared us to properly receive the gift of Torah that Hashem had prepared for us. So it makes a lot of sense. If the makos are the clarity of Hashem running the world, then it makes a lot of sense that you may need 613 of them. So much clarity comes out of the makos, and now Hashem starts building us with how to focus that clarity. Start with, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, that's the most clear. Lo you can't go you know, mess around with the other, the other stuff. And then he starts building us a whole Torah, 613 mitzvos, on now how to engage and experience that revelation, right? So that's the flip side. Wow, it's really beautiful. Okay, I like this. Yeah. Why did the Mitzvah get it clear? Why did the Mitzvah get it clear? So the Jews sitting on the side, that's why it says, for the Mitzvah was a punishment. For the Jews, it was therapeutic. It was not only, it, was, it says it was a medicine. Like it was, it was, it was curing them from Gullus. The Makos were the cure for the Gullus, right? So it was, it was helping them go through a process whereby they were becoming separated from the Egyptians and seeing Hashem clearly and his control over nature. When you talk about the Makos, just talk about the fact yeah, that they're so, so complicated to crazy. understand, but that, that concept that the, that the Yidin were scared yeah. and their slave mentality mm-hmm. is brought down. I don't remember mm-hmm. who, who brings it down. That ultimately that, that um, set of Yidin, that, uh, what was the right word to use? Generation. Right, that door, yeah. That, I don't know how you want to look at it because, like, which came first is that, you know, they had to eventually, in reality, they had to die out anyway mm-hmm. because they had that mentality mm-hmm. and it would be impossible, whatever that means, mm-hmm. they couldn't get out of it because you see what was going on, right? You have all these, so what's there to be afraid of? They could not, they were still know, connected back and to that's it. why eventually they had to die out, which is very, it's a little complicated because, like, what do you mean they had to die out? So figure out, you know, it's like, Hashem can do whatever he wants. Like, but that's, it was brought down like that. But that's a uh, yeah. yeah. very interesting. That was a very interesting thought. Yeah. I don't know if this even dies in or not, but um, they say your, the Jewish people are on the 49th level. Right? Yeah. The 10 makos sort of being therapeutic brought us each level closer right, to 39. And everything you do towards the base, I made this for 39 makos that you're not doing. So obviously, mm-hmm. you do the base mm-hmm. gives you to the top level of. Uh, very nice. <laughs> of that's a very nice connection Smart. with the numbers. I like that. Nice connection, I like it. But definitely, the Each thing you do point. Yeah, that's true. The point of this, the whole point of this, is we gotta understand how amazing it was to live at that time, the revelation that they had of Hashem's control over the world, and how clear it was to them. It would not be a bad time to talk about how sometimes we have this clarity, and sometimes we see. 
we all have stories. I don't think it'll be a, a terrible time to talk about. Share some stories where, tell me a story where you saw the hand of Hashem controlling something, right? Uh, tell me a, tell me a, tell me a, tell me a story. There you go, tell me a story. There you go. Says the Balagada. Kama Milos Tovos Lamako How many great things has Hashem done for us? And it uses a weird word. Milos Tovos, right? Milos, it's a weird word. Kama Milos, like raising ups, right? Kama Milos Tovos. Milam Bakodesh. Milam Bakodesh. it says that the relevance of this paragraph at this particular point. After these sages showed in successively greater number the magnitude of Hashem's benevolence to us, how kind He was, Bagada now states that we can still enumerate more of the many acts of kindness that God performed for us. Right? So he says it's connected backwards. Whoa, that's amazing what He did for us, and we could still continue talking about it. The Malbim says it goes on the next thing, on Dayenu. And we have to understand that not only did Hashem do all these makos, but we also have to understand that every step of the way Hashem was with us throughout our history, Hashem was taking care of us. And we have to say thank you to Hashem for every single individual thing. Because when you look at the whole picture, you're like, okay, and I am here. And thank you. Thank you. That's a certain level of thank you. But when you say, and I am here... When you say, and I am here, and this is what I went through, and let me tell you my story, and let me tell you the story of my people, then when we split it up, we, that's what we're saying here. If Hashem would have taken us out of Mitzrayim, and He didn't even, um, and He wouldn't even punish the Egyptians, He just would have taken us out. Dayenu, Dayenu, what does it mean? It would have been enough. Would have been enough. It would have been enough. Just okay. We would have been fine. It's weird. There's a lot of weird ones in here, right? If you would have taken us to Har Sinai, uh, or if you would have punished uh, them, but he wouldn't punish their gods, that would have been enough. If he would have punished their gods, but he didn't kill their, their Bukhar, that would have been enough. If he would have killed their Bukhar, and he didn't give, give us their money, that would have been enough. That you know right away. You're like, whoa, whoa, that would not have been enough if we didn't get their money, right? <laughs> yeah. Should you say, should, should this whole thing Backwards that if Hashem was into the ocean, it means if Hashem did not build us, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, build the base of Mikdash, yeah, go to the end. If you go to the land, that would have been enough. And they go back even, they just be going backwards. Even right. if you would have just brought us out of Egypt right. and not. Right. Us, you know, but but it also means to be moda, to admit. When you admit, you are saying the details, right? Like you admit to the details. So to go into the details is part of giving thanks is to recognize how it breaks down. No, I understand the breakdown. Yeah, you're saying the logic. Logically, if you say, listen, and he if, if you would have, if, if Bo and I would have been taken to the airport and would have just gotten an Uber, that would have been enough. Mm-hmm. If Bo and I would have even gotten me an Uber and just but, called someone, right. that would have been enough. If you would have called someone, Right, you go back. That's the order. And then go back. Right, starting from like it's easy that. I hear that. You start with the best thing and keep going down. Say even this would have been enough, and that would have been enough. I hear that. 
I guess because we're going in order of the story of the of Mitzrayim. But that's the point. Right. Right? Like you said, if Hashem gave us a Torah, that would have been enough. If he didn't, even if he didn't give us a Torah, he, he just brought us out of the time, that would have been enough. If he didn't give us this, that would have been enough. I mean, you want, it, you want it to start from the perspective... Right? But like when you you're saying, you're, right, right. So his point is, if you, if you go that route, it's more impactful. I would think. Right? Right. It seems like even if you would have just punished the Mitzrayim, so that would have question. Been it seems like you're not starting... You're not starting the high point, you're starting the low point and building up. Like... Right, so why is that? That's the question. As opposed to the other way around. I'm sure this would be more logical to me. I hear you. Yeah, you have some homework. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. So, um, let's see. Hold on. Like you should say it would be enough. It's enough for us. You can keep going further and further. <laughs> hmm. So just baseline, I'm not answering your question, but just baseline. What does it mean? If he would have taken us to the sea and split the sea, but he wouldn't have taken us through it, (laughs) that would have been enough. What's the point? Well, what's the point? So obviously, so obviously, so obviously. It's the nace. You you did the nace. We would see this great nace. Yeah, but we would have died. If he, if he splits the sea and doesn't take us through it, we're standing at the edge, edge of the sea. Die? The Mitzram were right behind us. We're standing at the edge of the sea. Okay, it splits. Another, another miracle. You're, now you're saying a chiddish. Right. It doesn't say that. It says, right. if he would have. So what does it mean it would have been enough? What is the word dayenu? It would have been. What? It would have been we're, enough we're, for we're, what? We're, 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 it, I think there's a big misconception. If you look at dayenu as, a, as, a, as an enough thing to, for the greatness, the dayenu is going on the. Whatever he would have done for us to get us out of the the shibud of Yitzhak Mitzrayim would have been enough. That's what it's referring to. You didn't have to go the extra distance. You look at it as a greatness thing. Yeah, we're going to have thousands of questions. Not giving us to tell you the most important thing. Correct. Saying, right? That's the whole point. So therefore, it's all. If you look at it as it, as everything's enough. Why killing is that us, enough? Killing us of a deer would have been better than sticking us in the tribe. Right. He's not giving us the Torah would have been okay. better than putting us in the track. Okay, that could Every be. Every level. Answer your the other question is splitting the seed. It just uh, it seems like it's just saying from from just from the from the English stuff that that he wouldn't have brought us through on dry land. Meaning that if there was still water shallow enough to ah, walk that's through, what you're saying. Okay, could and be. We could be. Could be. Maybe maybe what Dayenu means is not that it would have been enough in actuality it would have been enough. But if he would have done that miracle for us, obviously we would die and that would be terrible. But we'd still have to give thanks for doing that miracle. Right. Each step of this, we would still have to give thanks. Because remember what we're doing here is we're transitioning into thank you, Hashem. That's the part of the Haggadah we're transitioning into, right? We're about to get to Halel. The thank you, Hashem Haggadah, right? So if he would have brought us to Sinai and wouldn't have given us the Torah, Dayenu, just bringing us to Sinai and experiencing that 
would have been enough that would require us to say thank you. But he didn't just do that. He gave us the Torah. How much greater is our thanks now? If he would have given us the Torah and not brought us to Eretz Yisrael, what? If he would have given us Milos, right? That like, it's like focused on, it's fo- it's, it goes for the unspoken. If he would have done this and not done this, we would still have to thank him. But he didn't just do that. He didn't stop there. He did so much more. So we'd have to thank him so much more, right? If he brought us to Eretz Yisrael and didn't build us a base Hamikdash, we'd have to thank him for coming to Eretz Yisrael. But he didn't just stop there. He gave us a base Hamikdash. So you're saying the way you should really look at it is, Hashem not only brought that Mitzrayim, he also... The next level. The next level. He, the he next brought level. Not only did he punish Israel, Yes, he, which was necessary, but we would have had to thank him anyways if he would have stopped without punishing them. But he did punish them. Like, we're pointing it out in the, in the... If he wouldn't have done it, we would still have to thank him. But guess what? He did it. He did it. And each time you say he did it, but he did it, you go up a step. There's 15 steps here, right? The 15 steps. I also think it's a, I mean, I don't know criticism of Chaz It's in the aftermath. Yeah. Meaning like when a father gives a kid a thousand bucks, like, dad, you only have to give me a hundred. You only say that once you have the grant. Okay. Same idea. But when someone does 10 things for you and you're like, thank you so much for everything, that's, that's not enough. Right. When someone does a hundred things for you and you're like, I can't believe that you did this and this and this and this and this and you point each one out, it increases what you're doing in yeah. thanking them, right? So you're right, yeah, afterwards you could say, uh, okay, it would have been enough. I don't think we're saying that. I don't, that's why I don't think we're saying it would have been enough. I think we're saying it would have been enough that we would have had to thank you. But you didn't just stop there. We're going to thank you even for the... For the next level, and you went the next awesome. level. You are awesome. Yeah. And you went the next, then you did the next thing, right? And, that, and that's what we say in the next paragraph. I think it sums the whole thing up. Al achas, kama ve kama. How much more so? Tova, We have our own day every day. They let us open. They let us stay open. They let us do this, they let us do Correct. They could have let us be part of it, it wouldn't have been enough. <laughs> <laughs> kama, tova, kfula, muchpelas, lamakom aleinu. That what do you do? Let's no, all I'm saying is, if you would have let us, you know, just have Shabbos and not do it. <laughs> 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 that would have been enough. If you really look at life like that, everything's just like So and we're at, that, they let us be B'nai Chayrin. This is very weird when you look at the construct here. We're like, we flew through the four psukim, like that was the story of Mitzrayim. We just told the story of Mitzrayim. We just told how Hashem saved us. We didn't say Moshe's name. We just told the Eser Makos. Then we multiplied the Eser Makos up to 613 Makos. It was crazy what was going on. And then we say, and Hashem, you didn't just stop there. You got us all the way to the Beis HaMikdash. Look at the paragraph. How much great is the kindness that the gratefulness that we should feel to Hashem. That he took us out of Mitzrayim. He did the Shvatim. He did it at their gods. He killed their Bukhar, Right? He gave us their money. He split the sea. He took us in the middle in the, in the dry land. Right? And all the way until he built the Beis HaMikdash. Right? To be Mechapra al We're Mamish, this is like the high point. What should happen right here? Like right here. Halel! Like it's about to happen. We're, we're at the high point. We're like totally high point. And then we get a little bit sidetracked. 
No? Because we, we got eat. But Rabbi Gamliel says, Rabbi Gamliel points out, I just read this over here, Maisei Hashem says, that the God is telling us, what Rabbi Gamliel is pointing out is, you're right, you're right, but guys, hold your horses. Okay? Hashem has described a way whereby you can get to a certain point of feeling like you went through the feeling like you went through Mitzrayim and came out alive, you can get to a certain point. Hashem has prescribed the way. And the way is by saying Pesach, Matzah, Marah. By talking about the Pesach, talking about the Matzah, talking about the Marah. So you got to remember, yeah, you're at the high point. You're on the right track. The point of this whole thing is that we should say thank you to Hashem. But you have to remember, we have not fulfilled our obligation of discussing the Exodus until we explain the significance of the Pesach, Matzah, and Marah. Okay, that's the Maisei Hashem. Malbim offers another explanation to this, to this troubling construct of the Haggadah. Although we have discussed the multitude of miracles that were done for our ancestors, one might still have the attitude that this is a good reason for them to be grateful, but what does it mean for us? No? You could end Dayenu and this paragraph and say, okay, it was pretty cool back then. They had a lot to thank Hashem for. He did them a lot of good stuff, right? But you might think that it's a little bit removed from you. Therefore, just before we recite Hallel, we show that the Torah requires each and every Jew and every generation to reflect upon the fact that the Exodus was a meaningful event for him personally. Like we said, Bechal Davidar, right? Chayav Adam Asmo Like you were going out. So we're going to talk, we're going to quote that. Uh, that Pasuk, right? So that's Rabbi Gamliel got from that Pasuk. Okay. So maybe, maybe what it's doing here is focusing us. Yeah, we just talked about all the great stuff that Hashem like did for them. We talked about all the great stuff that Hashem did for them. Guys, we got to experience it also. Let's do it together. Let's go. Pesach, Matzah, Maror. Right? It's like, let's, it's getting you, it's getting you, it's personalizing it. Right. It's personalizing it. It's not just about them. You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to talk about the experience. It's you. This is you. That's Rabbi Gamliel Haya Omer. You don't say these things. You didn't fulfill your chovaso. Same word that's used. Chayav, Adam, Liros, that's Atzmo, Ki'ilu, Huyatsam, That you're obli- you didn't fulfill your obligation. Your obligation of what? Your obligation of what? Your obligation to make it internal. To say that I myself have to give thanks to Hashem. Not just for what happened then, but for what's happening right now and for what's eventually going to happen. I have to have the faith that it's going to happen. I have to be able to thank Hashem for what's happening now. And therefore, we launch into Pesach, Matzah, and Marah. And we have the three paragraphs explaining the idea of Pesach that we're about to experience. The idea of Matzah we're about to experience. And the idea of Marah, right, that we're about to experience. And then... Look at what he says. It's so beautiful. I, I, I totally forgot about this. But says Rabbi Yosei, says, uh, uh, um, who? Rabbi Gamliel. Says Rabbi Gamliel, Bechol dor vador, chayav adam, liros asatzimu, ki'ilu hu yatzimu mitzrayim. It's not enough. Don't just thank him for Dayenu stuff, for the stuff that happened back then. It's all about now. Shenamar, like the Pasuk says, we got it till bin Chabayom Rulaymor. This is why Hashem did it for me when I left Mitzrayim. Lo esavosenu bilvad gala kadosh baruchu. Not only our forefathers did Hashem save, 
He saved us with them. That I redeemed you also. Right? So you, you, this is where it translates into us. And then when it becomes personal, now, what do we launch into? Hallel. Right? We launch into praise. Right? And which ends, by the way, this is a quote from a Mishnah. The Mishnah says this is the part of the Hallel that you should say. I just did it with my, uh, my Moshe. And then we end at the end of Magid. We're at the highest point. We're saying thank you to Hashem for all that you've done for them and for us. And then we say, Baruch Atah Hashem. We end it with a bracha. Elokeinu melech alam. Asher galanu. Elokeinu. You redeemed us. You redeemed our forefathers. And you brought us. We're about to eat matzo maror. And you brought us to this occasion. Kain, Hashem Elokeinu, so too. May it be your will, Hashem. Yigienu, you should bring us the Moadim Vilirgolim Acherim Haboim Likrasenu Lashalom. Bring us to the other Yamim Tovim in the future. Smechim Vivinyan Yirecha Vesasim Bavodasecha. That we should rejoice in the rebuilding of your city and rejoice in your Avoda. And we will be able to eat there from the Karbanos and from the Karm Pesachs. That their dam should come onto the, the walls of your, the sides of your Mizbeach for gracious, gracious acceptance. And we shall then sing a brand new song, and on our liberation of our souls. Baruch Atah Hashem, Goal Yisrael, who has redeemed the Jewish people. We make a bar priyagafen because it's been a while, and we drink the second cup. Why do we split up hollow? Why do we stop hollow? We're in the zone. You're in the zone. Why do you split up hollow? And aside from that, if, if we're saying for the dumps are there and everything, uh-huh. how can we all spill out wine for when Rabbi Yossi really or Rabbi Kiva says they did 200 mafos by then? That was so much greater. Spill the whole cup out. Spill the whole cup. It's all built. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good answer. I could say that it's all built off of the original 10. It's a multiplier of the original yeah. 10. You spilled for the 10. It's no. more, but you did. Okay. You showed your, you know, your, your feeling. Why is Halal split into two parts tonight? Because only the first one, or only the first part of the Ah, Avadram says the reason part of Halal is said before the meal is to embellish the second cup of wine with words of praise, and then if it would just be, it would just be storytelling if you didn't say at least part of Halal. Maral suggests that division of Halal is really originally intended to both proceed. And follow the eating of the meat of the Pesach sacrifice with Hallel to make it clear that Hallel was being recited in honor of this offering. If all of Hallel were said, either before or after the meal, this point would not have been sufficiently highlighted. Today, this practice is continued because the matzah we eat takes the place, really, of the meat of the carbon Pesach. So you said that this is the part that talks about Mitzrayim. So this is the part that leads up to eating the carbon Pesach. Um, is the, this is this is the part that talks that's about the taste? 
Did say she saw him in the church. If you just finished the whole thing before, then you wouldn't you wouldn't know that you, it. it's not highlighting them. It's just like a regular hollow. The this hollow is highlighting this part and then the matzah. Right, right. But then why not finish it after after that? Why you go through the shulchan aruch to get the hollow after? One second. What do you mean get the hollow? Meaning, meaning finish finish matzah. Um, Rafsa, Motsi Matsa, Bar, Kore, and then finish Halal before Shulchan Aruch. Before Shulchan Aruch? Yeah. Wait, you're, Is this you're, so, you you're so sadistic. Yeah. No, making more of a half second further. Yeah, yeah. Well, then you're in the middle of the meal already. Then you've got to eat something, right? That would be great if one would fall asleep before the meal. Then you've got to eat something, right? But sing it. Sing the, sing the Halal. Sing the Halal. Sing the Halal. Here. I wonder if you have to have the enjoyment of, were you able to eat the carb What do you mean? Yeah. yeah? So maybe you have, to, you have to fulfill it by eating your meal. And, and you have to eat it. That's part of your meal, yeah. Not to leave it over here. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why you have to fill the enjoyment of the, the carb and pesach. Hey, you feel Ah, interesting. He says that these, these first two paragraphs of Halal, which is really all we're saying, right? Haluka, Halu Hashem, and then Bitsayis Yisrael. Says these first two paragraphs focus on Mitzrayim. That's the second. Yeah, the Mitzrayim, right? So the second cup of wine. We're really saying it with the second cup of wine. The second cup of wine is the Mitzrayim cup of wine because it's the the Hotsesi. That's talking about. Um, that's what? talking about Tzaisi, right? But then, when you get to the fourth cup of wine, when you say the rest of Halel, by the fourth cup of wine, that's uh, the, uh, what's, what's the fourth Lashon Agula? The fourth Lashon The Galti and the Lakachti? So there already you're talking about the future. The rest of Halel talks about the eventual redemption and the fact that Hashem will eventually save us. St. Kinnis? I understand. It's A.C. Israel, I'm going to try that one. That's here. Okay. 